With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people. The nations will rally to him, and his last place of rest will be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You know, there's a great deal of talk about guns in our country right now. You all may have noticed that in the past few weeks. Because an entire generation of kids, teens, and young adults have grown up with no memory of the world before the Columbine Massacre was broadly made known, and they are now starting to stand up and speak their own minds about violence in our country. And things are very different for kids in school today than they were when I was in school or when most of you were in school. I didn't have to worry about if an angry gunman was going to storm my school and murder me or my classmates, no matter how likely or unlikely that would be. I never had to participate in a practice lockdown or an active shooter drill like my own children had to over the past couple of weeks. And I'll bet a few people lost at least some sense of peace when I started talking about this because gun violence is not an easy topic to talk about. It is hard to talk about in regular conversations and believe you me, it is exponentially harder to talk about when you're standing in my position up here. In today's sinfully divisive political climate, there is almost nothing I can say about certain topics, guns being one of them, that isn't going to upset someone or start an argument. But I do not believe that scripture has nothing to say about the topic, which means that I have to find something to say if I am to come in here and preach the word. The Bible has a great deal to say about peace and peacemaking, alleviating the sin of violence, which means that I, as a preacher, ought to have a great deal to say about peace and peacemaking and alleviating the sin of violence, and that you all, as faithful followers of Christ, the Prince of Peace, ought to have a great deal to say about peace and peacemaking and alleviating the sin of violence. So let us start our conversation about peace today with this statement. People, including children, are dying in gun violence at higher rates in this country than any other developed country in the world, and that is a bad thing. 
We do not have to agree on what the solution to the problem is. We do not have to agree on what the root of the problem is, other than sin, broadly. But as followers of the Prince of Peace, I think we all need to agree that it is a problem in need of solving in some way or another. And this isn't just about school shootings. Suicide and domestic abuse are actually at the top of the gun violence risk chart. But violence is violence, and any lives lost are too many. And gun violence is not the only violence around us that we should be concerned with. It's not even the most complicated one we find ourselves confronted with. It's just the one that statistically hits closest to home and is the most prevalent in the news these days. I'm preparing to head to Israel and Palestine in a few weeks' time for a two-week conference in which we will be talking about how complicated things are over there. They are very, very complicated over there. In fact, in our first meeting together as a team, we met uh, via webinar, online meeting, because there are 40 of us from all over the U.S. going, we were reminded that our job is not to go over and impose our smarter, better ideas for fixing what has been complicated for centuries over there, but to go and to listen and to represent peace. That is our whole purpose in going. To try and get a better understanding about what is happening, get to know some people who live on both sides of the wall, and to find out how we might be advocates of peace in a complicated situation. What if we applied that concept to other conversations about violence around the world and right here in our own country? Because violence is complicated. Peaceful solutions are not easy. We as Christians are called to be seekers of peace where peace is lacking. Wherever we find abuse, murder, hate crime, sexual violence, war, or other violence, we are to be God's voice saying, there is a peaceful answer to all of this. Jesus has an answer to all of this. And that's hard, but Jesus never claimed that following him would be easy or popular. Friends, we are called to be peacemakers, which means that when there is violence around us, we should be very concerned about finding a solution. And we should also be humble enough to sit down and to listen to people on all sides of the conversations. That would mean, if you're a gun owner, sit down with someone who has lost a child or friend to gun violence and just listen to them. Don't say a word. Just listen. If you hate guns with every fiber of your being and would love to see them melted down to nothing, go sit down with someone who is or has been in the military or the police force who has had to handle guns as a part of their living. Or go hang out at the shooting range with someone who shoots targets for fun and don't say a word. Just listen and observe. Because as hard as the discussion is, we have to find ways to have responsible, compassionate, intelligent, and creative conversations about the violence that we see around us. As much of a hot-button topic as it can be, we must care about peace in the Middle East. 
regardless of how unpopular a subject it is or how far removed it is from our own personal lives, we are called to talk about how to protect those who are subject to or vulnerable to domestic abuse or sexual violence or hate crime or other assault. Winston Churchill, of all people, has a great parable about how tricky it is to talk about solutions to violence. He gives this parable. Once upon a time, all the animals in the zoo decided they would disarm, and they arranged to hold a conference to decide the matter. The rhinoceros said that the use of teeth in war was barbarous and horrible and ought strictly to be prohibited by general consent. Horns, which were mainly defensive weapons, would, of course, have to be tolerated. The buffalo, stag, and porcupine said they would vote with the rhino, but the lion and the tiger took a different view. They defended teeth and even claws as honorable weapons. Then the bear spoke. He proposed that both teeth and horns should be banned. It would be quite enough if animals would be allowed to give each other a good hug when they quarreled. No one could object to that. It was so fraternal and would be a great step toward peace. However, all the other animals were offended with the bear, and they fell into a perfect panic. Each animal feared the weapons the other had, either defensive or offensive, and did not see why anyone would fear the one they possessed themselves. Isn't that so true of us as people? We fear losing what we have, and we don't understand how what we have could possibly harm or even frighten another. And yet we fear falling victim to what others have or losing some of our power over them. What might have happened if the lion and the tiger had listened to the other animals better and recognized their real and valid fear of the powerful teeth and claws they were carrying around everywhere with them? What might have happened if the other animals had stopped to listen to the lion and tiger's fears that the defensive weapons could be just as deadly. When we are afraid, we stink at compromise. And when we are bad at compromise, we are bad at peace. And when we are bad at peace, we are bad representatives of God in the world around us. The first step to being a peacemaker is to let go of our fear. There are many fears that contribute to this loss of compromise. Fear of personal harm, fear of losing power, fear of change. And those fears are real. I do not mean to dismiss them, but when we let them control us, we let violence win in the world and in our hearts. Just because fear is real doesn't mean we are to let it rule our decisions. When we let these fears override our desire, our calling, to be God's peacemakers in the world, we cannot be true peacemakers and representatives of God's rule on earth. Jesus came so that we might have peace. Not fake peace, not military peace or some peace of a strained treaty but real peace, God's peace. Jesus came so that we might not be ruled by fear, so that we must not be ruled 
by fear. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Peace and fear cannot dwell in the same place. As we prepare for Holy Week next week, we remember that Jesus let go of fear. He let go of fear to such a degree that he gave up his God-given right not to die for your sake. Let me repeat that. Jesus had a right to not die for you. And he gave up that right. Philippians 2, 1 through 11 says that Jesus gave up not just his right to live when we were the ones causing the trouble. He gave up equality with God. Being so peaceful as to not even fight back when he had done nothing wrong. And in that lack of fear, peace was made possible. That is the sort of peace we are called to follow. And that's not easy. It means that we have to enter into hard conversations with the people around us. We have to point out where peace is lacking. But entering into hard conversations does not just mean calling people out when we think they are wrong. It means sitting back and listening to people with offensive teeth and claws and to people with defensive horns and quills, and especially to those who have neither offense nor defense. My one objection to Churchill's fable is that it doesn't have any defenseless fluffy bunnies. We have to call out violence when we see it and stand up for those on the receiving end of it. But we often don't even see it until we let go of our fear in order to listen to someone else. Our modern culture likes to think that we all have a right to be right and we all have a right to assurance of safety at all times. But sometimes being a peacemaker means saying things we know other people won't like and taking the risk that in saying them we might be wrong. And more often even than that, being a peacemaker means listening to other people say things we don't like. Fear of being wrong or having to change our point of view is one of the hardest fears to let go of in our search for peace. Even if we had some sort of God-given right to be right, Jesus' peace is not about clinging to our own rights, but about letting go of them for the sake of all. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant 
being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen.